Our scripture today is from John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark. She saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb, so she went running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said to them, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. At that, Peter and the other disciple went out, heading for the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. Stooping down, he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. Then, following him, Simon Peter also came. He entered the tomb and saw the linen cloth lying there. The wrapping that had been on his head was not lying with the linen cloths, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. The other disciple who had reached the tomb first then also went in, saw, and believed. For they did not yet understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she was crying, she stooped to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting there where Jesus' body had been laying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Because they've taken away my Lord, she told them, and I don't know where they've put him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Woman, Jesus said to her, why are you crying? Who is it that you're seeking? Supposing he was the gardener, she replied, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. Turning around, she said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus told her, since I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord, and she told them what he had said to her. Lord Jesus, I thank you uh, for your word. I pray that uh, through, through the Holy Spirit that you would uh, show us what we need to hear this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I remember the moment I answered the phone in my parents' kitchen in Aberystwyth, Wales. Uh, we were there for a visit before going to the Philippines to answer a two-year call to the mission field that turned into a four-year call to a mission field. Uh, the voice on the other end of the phone was my father-in-law. I recognize his voice. Uh, he asked to speak to Wendy, uh, but he did not sound like his usual upbeat um, kind of center of attention self like he usually was. So I passed the phone to her and I... Uh, and I heard her, her breakdown. Her brother Travis had passed away. And uh, it, was, it was a moment that I will always remember. Now, we all deal with death in different ways. And uh, in John chapter 20, our lectionary reading this morning, we see how Mary Magdalene de- uh, dealt with death in her own way. 
In a sense, she did what many of us would have done in her situation. She cried. She did the natural thing. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she was crying, she stooped to look into the tomb. Um, and as I'm reading these passages, I often remind you, try to picture this in your mind. Don't just read it, try to be there and live it. She saw two angels in white sitting where Jesus' body had been lying, one at the head, one at the other at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you crying? Her answer, because they've taken away my Lord, she told them, and I don't know where they've put him. And this is very understandable. We, we would most likely have responded in the same way. On the Friday, she lost her friend, she lost her rabbi, she lost her exorcist, she lost her master, she lost her messiah, she lost her savior, she lost her financial investment, she lost her traveling companion. And now it was Sunday, that was Friday, now it's Sunday and she's breaking down. She's doing the natural thing. However, let's maybe back up just a little bit. Because this passage in John tells us something else about Mary, that when faced with grief and loss, she didn't only do the natural thing, which is emotionally break down, she also did the right thing. Verse 1, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. Mary did the right thing. At the first opportunity she had after the Sabbath was over, which is when Jews were you know, prevented from looking after the dead loved ones for fear of ritual contamination. As soon as she's able to, as soon as Sabbath is done, she hikes it to the tomb early while it was still dark. The love that she felt for Jesus during his life extended into Jesus's death and she wanted to honor him and show him the love and respect that he deserved. So even in the midst of her grief, she wanted to do the right thing. And we've seen a lot of that over the weekend. Even in the midst of a hard time, a lot of people have done the natural thing, which is to emotionally break down. And, but a lot of people have been doing the right thing, which is to reach out and to help others. But when she arrives at the tomb, she saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran, running to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved, and said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. Now we know what happened, but I want you again to try to get into her mindset. What must she have been thinking? In other words, what we see here is that Mary is doing the obvious thing. It's an emergency, her instincts have taken over and she goes to the first person that she can think of, Simon, Peter and John. We had a flood at the house and I got on the phone to the first person I could think of, which was Sean and Kim. So I know exactly what it's like to do the obvious thing. And now we're assuming that uh, Simon, Peter and John are still asleep. They're snoring away. So she wakes them up. Then all three head back to the tomb. And now it starts to get a little bit Grand National or maybe Kentucky Derby with all three of them going as fast as they can. And John and Peter, they don't wait for Mary. And then John arrives first at the tomb, but he doesn't wait for Peter. Instead, he looks inside, he sees the grave clothes, he sees that there isn't a body, but he doesn't go in. And then Simon Peter arrives, he shoulders John aside and he goes into the tomb and he sees the linen clothes lying there. He also notes that the head covering that would have gone over the corpse's head was folded neatly by, him, by itself, but there was no Jesus. 
John then follows Peter's example and he actually goes in. He, so he looks, he sees, he then actually goes in and John, writing about himself, says this, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first then also went in, saw and believed. Now, it seems that John had a bit of a... He thought, he thought quite highly of himself. He referred to himself as the disciple who Jesus loved. He referred to himself as the one who reached the tomb first. So, you know, clearly John thinks he's quite lovable and quite swift. But uh, anyway, so, yeah, this is John writing about himself. It, say, he, it says that he went and he saw and he believed. Now, well, what does that mean? Well, of course, it means that he believed that Jesus rose again from the dead. Not so fast. Because that would make sense, except that the very next verse reads like this, for they did not yet understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. So we don't necessarily know that John believed that Jesus was risen from the dead. Maybe in his mind he did, he had put everything together, he thought of the prophecies, and then he realized that Jesus had risen from the dead. Or maybe what this verse means is nothing more than he believed the report that Mary had brought, that Jesus' body had been moved. Which seems to make a bit more sense, uh, knowing what we know in verse 9. Either way, in the time that John and Peter have both been in the tomb, Mary finally arrives at the tomb. She's probably out of puff after running, running back and forth, doing laps that morning. And uh, after arriving, verse 7 tells us that she is crying. She's doing the natural thing. She's crying. Why is she crying? Why is she cut up over the death of Jesus Christ? Well, to answer that, we need to answer the question, who is Mary? Now, we don't know a ton about her from the Bible, but here's a little bit of a bio of Mary. Luke chapter 8 verse 1 tells us that Mary was part of a team, including the disciples who went around with Jesus as he traveled from place to place, preaching and also telling the good news. That's what Luke 8 verse 1 tells us. Luke 8 verse 2 tells us that Mary is from Magdala, which is a, a, an area over in Galilee. That's where her name comes from, Mary Magdalene. We have our own version of Mary Magdalene here at the church. Hazel always signs her letters, Hayes from the Gore, right? <laughs> and so this is all that Mary's doing is there's Hayes from the Gore, and then there's Mary from Magdala, Mary Magdalene. Luke also tells us in the same verse that, uh, that Mary was delivered from seven demons. Um, there's this verse that says Mary um, called Magdalene. Oh, uh, it, and then it just says simply seven demons had come out of her. Now, depending on how you read the next verse, Luke 8 verse 3, there's a, there's a good chance that Mary was part of this group of people who were bankrolling Jesus. It says who were supporting Jesus and his disciples from their own possessions. So that could well have been Mary. Matthew also tells us in chapter 27 that uh, Mary was there at the crucifixion. And uh, when Joseph of Arimathea sealed the tomb in Matthew 27, 61, Mary was present. So Joseph took the body, wrapped it in clean, fine linen, and uh, placed it in his new tomb, which he cut into the rock. He left after rolling a great stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were seated there facing the tomb. Some very specific descriptions there. So Jesus had healed her of seven demons. She traveled with Jesus. She was likely supporting Jesus from her own finances. And she was there when Jesus died and was buried. All this to say... 
when, you know, in order to know why Mary was so emotionally cut up, we've answered the question, who is Mary? And it makes a lot of sense that Mary was emotionally invested in Jesus Christ. And now he was gone. And she's brokenhearted. So she's doing the natural thing, like I said, she's crying. Let's pick up at verse 14. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus Woman, Jesus said to her, why are you crying? Who is it that you're seeking? Supposing he was the gardener, she replied, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will take him away. Now, like I said, we don't know at this point whether John actually believed that Jesus had risen again. But one thing we do know is that Mary was nowhere near believing that Jesus had risen again. So in the midst of her wiping her red eyes and tears and snot and all this stuff with her head her headscarf head covering Jesus appears to her and asks her why are you crying who is it that you're seeking and Jesus and Mary now does the sensible thing she asks where the corpse is which we understand right if you showed up at the cemetery of your loved one and the place where you had literally seen them being buried was now a hole in the ground not only would you uh, not would you struggle not to lose your mind but if an employee of the cemetery happened to be walking by at that moment you grab them by the lapels and you'd be shaking them and saying where is my loved one Maybe she thought that Joseph of Arimathea had had a change of heart and he didn't want Jesus in his tomb anymore. Who knows what was going on in Mary's mind? But in the midst of her grief and her tears, we see that Mary is ready at that moment to do the sensible thing, even though the strong, burly fishermen have left um, and and they've kind of left her to deal with this horrendous task of caring for Jesus's exhumed body. But she's ready to take that responsibility for the body and make sure that the right thing is done. And uh, I experienced that on the weekend. I was ready to just sit back and relax and recover. And Wendy was like up and about and fixing stuff and making sure people are being called. Okay, so I I get it. She's ready to do the sensible thing, but fortunately, she doesn't need to do the sensible thing. Jesus said to her, Mary, turning around, she said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher, don't cling to me, Jesus told her, since I've not yet ascended to the Father. Okay, this part here is very, very important. Even though it feels rather disjointed, it feels like a bit of a non sequitur there, right? That Jesus says Mary's name, Mary's world is literally turned right back up in that second, in that moment. She's found her place again as the student of the rabbi. And then straight away, Jesus says, don't touch me. Don't cling to me. Sounds weird. Hello, Mary, I'm back. She's like, trying to find words what how i don't know what she's just trying to process this overload of information and jesus says don't cling to me it's weird except it's not and the reason may be in the next words since i've not yet ascended to the father you see what we're seeing in this moment is jesus in his resurrection body And because Jesus is in his resurrection body, everything has changed. And this is why Mary 
probably didn't recognize him because he was Jesus, but he was not Jesus as she knew him. In fact, he was Jesus as he'd literally never been in the history of the whole of eternity. Jesus had never been how Jesus was at that moment in time. You see, prior to the crucifixion, he was a spirit with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Then along came the incarnation and Jesus became human like every other human, 100% man, 100% God. He was skin and bone. He was XY chromosomes. He was human. But now after the resurrection, this is Jesus as he's never been seen before. This is Jesus not as only spirit, if you can even say that, not even as human, but as resurrected human. Now, we don't know exactly what changed. I don't think his skin glistened like Edward in Twilight. That's probably not what it was. I don't think that suddenly he was this six foot tall, um, you know, titan instead of being a shortish Jewish carpenter. That's probably not what happened. Uh, It was not, you know, like a Pokemon that went from this thing to this thing, right? But something changed. He was still Jesus, but he wasn't. He was the first of this new species of resurrected humanity. N.T. Wright says this, Of course we know him. Of course we don't know him. He's the same. He is different. He's alive with a new sort of life, the like of which we've never seen before. And so Mary doesn't recognize this new Jesus. Sure, because her eyes are full of tears and her hair's in front of her face, but also because he's changed. He, he is different. But when he says her name, Mary, she knows exactly who he is. Master, Rabboni. So his body might have changed in some way, but his voice is exactly the same. As the Bible says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me in John chapter 10. And so if Mary is seeing this resurrected Jesus in his new new body, it's starting to make perfect sense why Jesus says to her, don't cling to me since I've not yet ascended to the Father. Because what he's saying here in this new resurrection body is that the way that she relates to him from here on in will change. She she might no longer travel around with him. She, She will no longer fund his ministry. She can't make his meals for her, maybe, and be there in the same way that she always has. He's no longer simply Rabboni. He's no longer simply master. Now he's resurrected Messiah. Now he's the ultimate survivor. Now he's the one who went there and came back again. He's the only one who's ever who's looked death in the face, experienced it, faced it down, and come back. He's the one who conquered sin and the grave. And this process has changed him forever, even though he's still Jesus. For example, now he can walk through doors. He can walk through walls, as John chapter 20 verse 19 says. And yet he also still has the scars that he bore from the cross. He's the one who performed many more signs, as John chapter 20, verse 30 says. And he's the one who cooked up breakfast on the beach for the disciples, as John chapter, 12, John chapter 21, verse 12 says. So all of this, we can start to see why N.T. Wright says this. Of course we know him. Of course we don't know him. He's the same. He is different. He's alive with a new sort of life, the like of which we'd never seen before. Now, let's go back to verse 8. 
the other disciple who'd reached the tomb first, then also went in, saw, and believed. Okay, so what John's experiencing here is insane. John has just seen what is incredible. He's seen the stone rolled. He's seen that there is no corpse at all. Uh, He's seen these clothes oddly folded. Uh, John, at this moment, has been entrusted with an amazing revelation, which he may or may not understand at that point in time. But Mary, if John's revelation was incredible, Mary is not even in the same ballpark. She's not even in the same solar system. Because Mary got the first glimpse into how all Christians everywhere now relate to Jesus Christ. She was the first one to whom Jesus said, don't cling to me since I've not yet ascended to the Father. And 40 days later, Jesus would ascend. And then 10 days after that, the Holy Spirit would come. And in 50 days time, when the Holy Spirit came, all Christians everywhere would relate to this resurrected Jesus Christ in a brand new way. Not clinging to him, not needing him there in a physical body. Instead, it would be through the indwelling reality of the Holy Spirit that the presence of the resurrected Jesus Christ would be communicated. Jesus would no longer be constricted to one place at one time. Instead, all followers of Jesus Christ would get access to all of Jesus every moment of their life. And Jesus, in a sense, was saying to Mary, get ready for that. Don't cling to me. So these words, don't cling to me, far from being a rebuke or Jesus being weirdly emotionally unintelligent at that time rather than that it's actually a sign of hope it's a sign of the coming of the Holy Spirit Mary saw the new humanity in Jesus's resurrected body she saw what one day we will all be if we trust in Jesus Christ As Jesus himself said here in John chapter 16, it's for your benefit that I go away because if I don't go away, the counselor, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I, but if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin and righteousness and judgment. And so friends, what this means is that if there's anyone here who's ever felt a conviction, this deep feeling in your heart that something is wrong, that you need to make things right with God or with others, then this is the convicting uh, voice of the Holy Spirit communicating to you the presence of the resurrected Jesus Christ. And anytime you ask yourself the question, what happens when I die? Am I ready to die? This is the voice of the Holy Spirit who's communicating to you the presence of the resurrected Jesus Christ. And maybe like Mary, you've had your demons. And maybe like Mary, you've tried to handle the tragedies that you've experienced in your life. You've, you've tried to do the right thing. You've done the natural thing. You've done the obvious thing. You've done the sensible thing. But maybe like Mary, now it's time for you to encounter the resurrected Jesus Christ. The one who rose again from the dead. The one who told Mary not to cling to him because he wanted to give you and millions of others like you the chance to cling to him for yourself. And so this morning, I'd like to pray a prayer. And if the counselor, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you in your heart and you've sensed something new, something that maybe you've never experienced this morning and you're wondering 
is there any chance that things can change? If you know that you need new life, that you need an encounter with the resurrected Jesus Christ, if you want to start following Jesus this morning with everything that you have, if you want a new start, a new life, a resurrected life, just like our baptized folks this morning have shown us, then right now, why don't we all close our eyes? And if you want to pray along with me, then now's your opportunity. Now's your opportunity for that new start. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for showing the Father's love by dying for me and taking my place on that cross. Thank you for going to the grave, for defeating sin and death and rising again. Thank you for showing me the future life that I can have in you. Thank you for casting the seven demons out of Mary. And I bring to you my demons so that these, these ones that I cannot deal with myself. And I ask you to free me. I ask you to forgive me. Thank you for the hope of a resurrected body that you demonstrated to Mary. Thank you for ascending up to the Father. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit, the Counselor, the Comforter, who is convicting me even now about my sin, about my need for righteousness, and about this, this coming judgment. I want to escape the coming judgment. I want to be righteous, but I cannot. And just like Mary... I hear you call my name with a voice of love. I hear you call my name. Jesus is calling your name. Listen to him call. He knows you. He knows your situation. He knows your demons. He knows all of this. Just say to him, I hear you call my name with a voice of love. I turn from my sin and I turn to you. F forgive me. Cleanse me, accept me, and make me new. So, if you've prayed, then let me know afterwards. I would love to um, help you take these first steps in new life, in new faith. But Mary, we, we can open our eyes again. Mary's done the right thing. And she's, she's gone to the tomb. She's done the obvious thing in going for help. She's done the natural thing in grieving. She's done the sensible thing in asking where the body of Jesus was taken. She's done the hard thing in not clinging to him. And now we see Mary doing the most important thing. Being the first preacher recorded in Scripture who testifies to the resurrected and soon to be ascended Jesus Christ. But go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to the Father, to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them what he had said to her. John 20, verse 17. And N.T. Wright says this, if someone in the first century had wanted to invent a story about people seeing Jesus, they wouldn't have dreamed of giving the star part to a woman, let alone Mary Magdalene. And I love that this most important task of verbally preaching the gospel of the resurrected Jesus for the first time went to a woman named Mary. 
a woman of Magdala, formerly possessed by demons, soon to be possessed by the Holy Spirit. Simon Peter could say that he saw the grave clothes. John could say that he saw the grave clothes and he believed. But Mary was the only one on that day who could declare, who could announce, who could preach, I have seen the Lord. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that on Easter Sunday, you turned Mary's world upside down. Thank you that you reserved your, post, your first post-resurrection encounter with a human being for Mary. That you, that you knew her name, that you know our names. That when we respond to your call by saying, Master, we are ushered into this new reality where dead people come alive. Where, where resurrection is possible where second chances are everyday occurrences, where no one has to carry the burden of sin and guilt and shame anymore, and where people who were possessed by evil spirits become preachers of your resurrection message. Lord, would you show us how to live like Mary, that we would do the right thing, and that we would rejoice because of the Holy Spirit who communicates to all people everywhere the presence of the resurrected Jesus Christ. In his name, amen.